All right, hello and welcome to episode 13 of what we're listening to. Uh, my name is Josh, and with me is my good friend and yours, Asher. How are you this morning, my friend? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Um, so I have a little quiz for you. Because I didn't get to do the quiz last week when we were doing God's Beachy Black Emperor, I have pulled uh, a little bit of that from that episode and put it into this. Sure. So this is a quiz about um, a God's Beachy Black Emperor song. Now, in, oh, I didn't actually check the date. Have you ever seen a movie called 28 Days Later? Later. Uh, yes, a okay. long time ago. Yeah, it's a very old zombie flick, kind of one of the first of its kind I've heard. Um, now, in this movie, there is a God Speed You Black Emperor song. Do you know what song that is? What song it is? Yeah. Do you know what song they put in the movie from Godspeed, Black Emperor? I thought you might come across this in your Wikipedia trolling. I did not. I can only assume it's something zombie related. (laughs) Well, okay. Uh, Um, So you you might not have seen. Okay. Um, I'll try and give you a hint. The song is named after a street in Vancouver. Street in Vancouver? Yep. Can you think of any streets in Vancouver that might lend themselves to be a Godspeed You Black Emperor song name? Uh, Hastings Street. You, I'm going to give you half points for that. That's very good. Maidenese Hastings or something like that? East East Hastings. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. That's the closest either of us have come to getting a question right. Oh, dang. Okay. There is a West Hastings. So it, it, yes. Yeah, that's, that's why I was very particular. I mean, they're very, I mean, they're very different culturally, I think. But um, so oh, the yeah. song is called East Hastings and it's off their first full length LP, F sharp, A sharp, Infinity. And the song was used in the film 28 Days Later. Um, the director did try to get the song on the soundtrack, but he couldn't contact the band. So... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> That's very Dylan-esque of them. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think that, you know, Constellation Records were able to give the rights to the movie um, for the song to be used, but then to actually contact the band to say, do you want this on the soundtrack? Not happening. Do you know the context within the movie for with the song is? Yeah, so um, I've forgotten the main, main character's name, but after he wakes up in hospital and everyone's gone, he's wandering yeah. London and that's when the song plays. Makes so, sense. Okay. Yeah, so he's he's wandering across, you know, the bridge. Um, like, I think it's London Bridge. It might be the... I always forget which, which bridge it is. But anyway, he's wandering across and there's like just rubbish everywhere and there's nobody mm. in sight. And it's a very good song for that moment. You should have a listen to this song. It's quite beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Close. I'm That's very close. impressed. <laughs> Um, do you have any catch-up? Yeah, yeah, just a tiny bit. Um, I have a teensy bit as well. I listened to Tom York's Acoustic Bloom session. Ah, yes. And it was very beautiful. Um, so if you checked it out, um, you'll know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, Tom York is on a piano and he has like a modular synthesizer kind of attached to it with mics and stuff. And he's so he's sampling some of the things he's doing and then kind of messing with them with lots of delays and repeaters and, <laughs> and all that sort of things. 
and then he plays on top just normal piano and sings and it's very good I can tell that it's the same song and it actually made me appreciate the original more I think yeah yeah but the fact was he did this only like last year or two years ago or something like this so maybe he's performed it like this before but I was like that's a long time to wait to kind of show a second side of this song I mean that's the kind of thing they do I love the cheeky nod he does when he's like yeah I got the the background down if he does it a couple of times he's like yeah that's finally ready yeah 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 I I didn't <coughs> didn't actually see that but yeah when you're kind of doing live looping sort of things you go oh yeah okay I'm happy with that one <laughs> yeah uh, my ketchup's also about the king of limbs um after doing a little little skunking around so I do things to say I think um we didn't talk about it as much but you picked up on it was that the one of the main complaints about the album is that the order is bad or the pacing is bad hmm and uh, that's a fairly common uh, complaint about it. And either it's too short or it's in a weird order. And I think you picked up on that. Like, if you're not down for the kind of binary, here's side A, here's side B, they're kind of completely different, then mm. you're kind of not going to enjoy the pacing of the album. Mm. Um, and there's lots of, like, internet forums that are like, oh, solve the pacing of... King of you Limp, sent but, me this complicated diagram from Reddit of like oh, how yes. it should. I was just like, I got this. I was just in the middle of running errands. I'm like, I, I can't quite make head <laughs> of tail of this. So I'll look at this another time. Sorry. Um, aside from that, though, I I do think the actual, there is a song that um, that joins the two ideas of the album together. And it's the last song on the album, Super Collider. Yeah. Um, and that's one I remember least. Sorry. Yeah. And that's fine. It's, it, that's where I think the ideas of the multi-rhythmic and the kind of long ballad are um, joined together. Mm. Do you mean Separator? Um, is it Separator? Super Collider is a different song. It's the last song of the album. I don't have yeah. it in front of me at the moment. Sure. Super Collider is a different song by them. Anyway, Whoops. yeah. That's fine. I I um, I might give it another listen. But um, yeah, it, it was cool to hear it in different... Uh, different setting and i mean i don't yeah. mind a and b albums where there's very light and dark very different sort of feel to both sides i mean mm. that's assuming that you listen to it on vinyl or tape or something like that and it's hard in a digital medium to kind of convey that anyway yeah cool um that's all i had yeah yeah i don't have much either so reviews So, uh, a mate of mine, um, one of my uh, bandmates from high school, was in town the other day, and he and I were talking, and he told me <coughs> to listen to a band called Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever, who I'd never heard of before. Great um, name, but they had, the they had just released a new album called Sideways to New Italy, and uh, they're Aussie, which was I was even more surprised by. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't catch the yeah, country. I think they're from Victoria. I mean, you can kind of hear it. And they say things like service station in their songs. It's like, that's very Australian. Um, Panadol. Anyway. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so this is a five-piece uh, five band. And to me, it's kind of like a little bit a little bit pavement, a little bit early Kings of Leon, a little bit crowded house. Like, there's lots of um, lovely guitar layering. Because um, they have three guitars, so they can kind of do that. Mm. Um, in the background, there's always like little, like delays and choruses and reverbs and that kind of stuff. But the songs drive pretty 
uh, pretty forward, like a, an alternative rock song would. Um, but I've been really loving listening to this album. It's kind of like a, like a, if like early nineties alternative was like made in a happy location, you know, you have like the dark, depressing, like, uh, UK shoegaze. And then you have like sunny, happy kind of rock music with like those kind of tonal qualities still. There is something about a, a different country, which brings out a different tone in music yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And I think like, like this album kind of gives you that kind of like, it's, I don't know, to me, it's giving you that kind of summer vibe of like, you know, dry earth and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and for a while I've been kind of wondering if a band was going to come along and like take up the powder finger mantle for Australia. Like there's kind of, Mm. Nobody's nobody's kind of arisen to that challenge, and I think these guys have the potential. I don't know if they will. You're gonna um, call it? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not gonna. That's that is not up to me, thankfully. <laughs> but I uh, like they for every like couple decades, there are a number of like huge rock bands that are only in Australia and are usually only appreciated by Australians. Um, and there hasn't been one for a little while in Australia, so I'm wondering like when's the next one coming around, kind of thing. When you say like huge, it's it's tricky to kind of work out because <laughs> I I don't know if I keep tabs on like the bigger charts, but like who are some of hu- the huge acts that you're thinking of apart from like Powderfinger? Well, in the decades, so like Silverchair. Oh yeah, or, yeah. Or forgot. Um, Midnight Oil or In Excess or yeah. um, Crowded House and that kind of stuff. Like there's always been like one or two kind of major rock bands that kind of push the Australian music industry from mm. the front i and forget how much of an influence silver chair have on my mind sometimes yeah like they're a really good band well i don't know if they're still going but they were they wrote some great records yeah they were for well yeah frog stump was quite a thing um, yeah um so yeah, i had I, li- I had listened sorry. to this did you want me to um yeah, go for it so you sent this through to me just to kind of give me a bit of an idea what you're listening to and I I totally agree. It's a it's a really great sound, and it instantly hooked me. I was like, I only got to listen to four tracks, um, mm. but I really liked it. It to me, it actually sounded a bit like a male always, um, like yeah, okay. kind of a bit of dream pop mixed in there too. Um, but it was really fun. Like, yeah, I I like that summer vibe. I want to listen to the rest of it because I did enjoy it. So I continue with what you were saying. Well, definitely my my two favorite songs are not on the front half of the album. Um, oh, right. Cameo oh, and Cars sign. in Space are my, are my two favorite. Mm-hmm. And I know how you feel about guitar solos, and one of them has like a metal-long guitar solo. But As long uh, as it's not glam, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Van Halen. That's fine. It's uh, <laughs> I, I find it interesting because there's, you know, the, the three guitar setup has such potential for like just being bogged down in guitar nonsense. But I think the drums really keep this thing on the rails, and mm. uh, it it feels like a really tight kind of album because of that. I think, mm. but yeah, give give uh, Rolling Black a Coastal Fever shot. It's a good album. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Uh, I guess we're keeping with the regionalism again. Uh, you Asher. What are oh you yes. Listening? So I have been listening. I I talked about this artist. Oh, ages ago, maybe in the first or second episode, I've been listening to another Pogo uh, Pogo album. So Pogo is a electronic musician from Perth, 
and he cuts up movies um, and remixes them to make kind of dancey techno sort of songs or house, you know, really kind of lush beats, almost like um, really up-tempo chill hop sort of thing. Um, Mm. And the thing that I love about Pogo is that he uses his samples like instruments. And so you'll hear recurring samples between albums, like several years apart, like he's used the same sample, but used it in a different way in completely different context. And he won't always use the whole sound. He'll like totally chop things up and that sort of thing. And the other thing that makes him different is his use of compound time, um, particularly like yeah. six, eight, um, he kind he of loves six, eight. Oh man. Yeah. He's, and that's great. I think it really sets him apart. Um, to offer something a little bit different in the world of electronic music. So you know this album, Ascend, right? Yes. <laughs> Has one of your favourite songs on it. Um, it does. Yeah. So there, this I felt like had more songs on it, which I really loved um, compared to his other releases. Um, and I, I found myself reviewing this after realising I'd listened to it twice a day for a week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, it's 11 tracks and so the first two kind of leave me a bit cold but track three is Boy and Bear and mm. it's um, a remix of the old uh, Winnie the Pooh cartoons from like the 90s, I think, and it's a brilliant remix. Um, I don't know what you, you can tell me what you love about it but for me it's like the lush synthesizers and the backing and then his choice of using... Winnie the Pooh's like vocal lines to kind of be these, you know, forever and ever kind of thing. He's chosen probably the most kind of meaningful words that he might say and turn them into this really moving song. What do you like about this one? Yeah. So like whenever he usually frames these kind of uh, movie pick apart songs with like a a theme, Mm. Um, the boy and bear kind of starts off with like, what does it mean to like do nothing or something like that? Mm. And then the rest of it is kind of like, I don't know. I I love the, the, the melodic kind of, um, splicing of all these, uh, movie pieces. He does so well. Mm. Um, yeah, like it's just kind of, if you could bottle like nostalgia and happiness, yeah, kind of what this music feels like. His music is one of the own. It's like the weak Achilles heel in my listening. Like <laughs> I never listen to songs on repeat, and yet I find myself like looping his like single songs over and over. Um, it's kind of like you know addictive, and I I just don't know what he does. Maybe this is just what normal people feel when they listen to pop music. <laughs> I don't know. And straight after this track, Boy and Bear, is another great one called Grow Fonda, which is um, yeah. based on the um, uh, oh, Robin Hood cartoon. Robin Hood, yeah. Yeah, um, which, is fan- which is also just another one where he's used those vocal lines, the spoken words, to kind of frame this quite beautiful sort of narrative. Um there are a few boring ones, like Take Those Pills comes after it and I don't know where it's <laughs> from. <laughs> um, Flux. Flux is really, it's got a cool sample sound, but I have no idea what movie it's from. 
Um, Rain on the Windscreen is kind of like a really darker sort of um, Vessels release, um, those chill hop albums that I enjoy. Mm. Just it's really good. Now, the next one, there are there's quite a few on this which I enjoy. There's Carpet Ride, which is a remix of Aladdin. And this is another 6-8 one. But he does some clever things because um, uh, when Aladdin says, when did you last, it's in duplet time. So he's got this on top of that. And he's always putting in these really interesting samples that kind of contradict the 6-8. And it's just, you know, the great call and response between the genie going free I ran away free. Da, 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 da. Like it's, it's pretty clever. So check that one out. Um, the next one that I enjoy is Big Tree, which is a Home Alone remix. And um, <laughs> another one in 6-8. And they, he uses um, Mr. Duncan's, you know, um, voice with this natural crescendo that comes down. And it's just really well done. Um I've watched Pogo talk about how he tries not to auto-tune voices. He wants them to actually follow the course of their normal speaking melodies and then he'll try mm. and use those. So I think I really like what he does because he's it's like collage, right? You're taking pre-existing images and then reinventing them and often like making them even kind of more interesting than they once were. So anyway, the rest of the song is fine. Though unicorns get stuck in my head. <laughs> the unicorns, I love them, the Despicable Me remix. Anyway, so they, this is a great album. It's probably a good place to start with Pogo if you've never yeah. really heard him. Um, I find this album um, really uh, thematically consistent. Like it has a very dreamy vibe behind it and that kind of stays with the whole thing. Yeah, um, yeah. My next closest favourites are probably some of his EPs like Unity. Um, and the other one, yeah, like the one with Absabloom and, um, Horrorland on it. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. But this is probably the mm. best full length one of his. So yeah, check it out. I love, gotta love Pogo, man. Gotta love so. Pogo. All right. Uh, so this episode I gave, uh, Asher the third album. Um, from the desert rock band Queens of the Stone Age called Songs for the Deaf. Um, so this album's a bit of a lightning in a bottle, if you ask me. So Queens of the Stone Age, I don't know if you know this, Asher, um, is usually one guy is the central, Josh mm. Homme, and he has a rotating cast of regulars, um, such as the bass player and mm-hmm. the other instrumentalists on this album. Um, but this one in particular, so it's Josh Homme, his original bass player, and then the singer from the grunge band, The Screaming Trees, called Mark Lanigan. Okay. Um, he's the one that sings like he eats a pack of cigarettes every day. Because uh, I was like, that Dave... does not sound like the same dude. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, three, there's three vocalists on the album. And then uh, Dave Grohl. Yeah, yeah. Dave on, Grohl's on, on drums, drums, right? Yeah. And, uh, and also, um, I should say, Alain Johannes, who is okay. an often uh, contributor, does a lot of the extra instrumentation like pedal steel and keyboards and that kind of stuff. He's in charge of that. Um, so th- this to me is one of the best kind of rock albums of the 21st century. I, ever since it came out, I've basically listened to it um, constantly. Wow. And um, hearing 
the drumming on this album in particular makes me want to be a better musician and hearing how it's recorded makes me want to be like a better like audio person and uh there is a rough concept behind this album as well i don't know if you picked up on that but what did you think about songs for the deaf asher um so i must admit <laughs> it took me a little bit of time to get into this one you're sure. right in that the drums are the thing which draw me into it and can i just confirm so i didn't know david Grohl was only like a member on just this one album i thought he was in queens of the stone age is uh no okay. so he did all the drumming for this album and he did one or two or three songs off of their second most recent album if that makes any sense right but he's mainly in the, um them crooked vultures as a drummer yeah okay yeah. gotcha because i was like obviously, wow he's obviously a- Nir- nirvana and foo fighters obviously. <laughs> yeah so he's a busy boy <laughs> yeah um so uh, it took me a while to get into this because I'm not a huge fan of one note riffs. Like I find them <laughs> a little bit um, boring. I'm sorry. It's like guitar solo is boring. One note riffs, boring. Yeah. I mean, as in the, they do lots of like, that kind of, and I'm, the drums are the part which go, which really draw me in. And it's interesting you say how they recorded because I was like, I was listening to the production thinking it's very interesting how kind of close and small the drums are, but that they pack a punch. Like Mm. they're very light on their feet. It's not like they're super heavy and washy. Um, The thing that is really cool about this album, again, is like some of the, the groupings. So um, it's David Grohl's doing stuff in like two, four and three, eight, when the phrases are like four, four and six, eight are being sung. So they're longer than the kind of phrases that, so in the sky is falling, instead of while the melody is kind of going on top of that and really ignoring those broken sections. Anyway, I thought that that was really interesting to me. Um, So I'll give you a bit of a track by track rundown. Um, opening track was kind of cool like it's it's really intense but like it didn't didn't kind of grab me so much no one knows is easily the best track on this album for me but that's just because i remember this from when i was a kind of teenager and queens of the stone <laughs> age kind of hit the scene with this album and this song was everywhere i think i loved it too because it was the sound of it it was that um how do you describe this sound? It's like a it's little a, bit. It's like a demented polka. Yeah, it's got that Middle East, like it's got the um, like Russian sort of um, Slavic feel to it, and a couple of um, a couple of Green Day songs off Warning had this same feel, and yeah. so. It was an interesting time for music. <laughs> I don't know what happened. They were listening to like Russian grandmothers playing their accordions. Who knows? Um, so no one knows is fantastic. It's just like that swung. Great chorus, you know, cool bass solo. Like it, it has everything. It's a, it's a great, it's a great song. Um, then you go on to first it giveth. It's like. It's quite interesting. The re- the instrumentation is quite quite thought out, but I didn't it didn't grab me as much. Um, uh, Song for the Dead was also a little bit. Oh come on! Boring. So oh. 
I didn't really like it. It just, it didn't. Song I that like, is such a good song. Okay, I'm sorry. I guess my, I want, the next song for me, I really liked Sky is Falling. So I like the ones where, um, what's his name again, was singing? Um, uh, Mark Lanigan? Or that's, no, that's Josh Homme singing. Right, yeah. I just like the ones that were sung. And look, I enjoy Screamo just as much as, you know, anybody else. No, actually probably more than anybody else. But <laughs> I kind of found the screaming on this a bit, um, it didn't quite fit with some of the other songs. So, so the screaming is done by the bass player. Right, okay. Um, Josh Homme is the guy that kind of sounds, he's got a bit of a, um, bit of a tenor warble to him. Look, as I'm looking down the list, unfortunately, I only really like about four or five of these songs. Like, if I go to it and go, Hanging Tree was quite good. Um, uh, I liked Do It Again. Um, I liked um, Another another Long. Uh, what, what did I mean to write there? <laughs> Sorry, you can cut this part out. What's That's right. Called? Another love song. There we go. Yeah. Like that was cool. Like it had that, that kind of almost Mexican sound. Um, and Mosquito song is really good. So <laughs> I kind of enjoyed the quieter, slightly more <laughs> Russian-y Mexican sounding <laughs> songs. The ones that were really hardcore rock, they just didn't kind of have enough that pulled me in. Um, and I know that's, disappointing and i'm sorry um i just found it a bit bland in terms of palette no that's okay and this yeah so i'm sorry about that i i tried really hard i listened to it quite a few times i listened to it like running i listened to it like just at home i listened to it in my car and i was just finding like uh you know the i just would have loved i don't know what i would have loved Look, they do yeah, what they I'm, do. I'm, curious, I'm curious, curious to what you would add. No, I don't. I wouldn't add anything. Look, and this is a, this is an album just for not for me, and that's fine. Like, <laughs> I I did enjoy some of the songs, and I'm glad I listened to it because I'd seen this cover sitting in many record stores, and just mm. never really been able to give it a full listen. Um, I just wish I would have loved more. Like, no one knows something a little bit more, kind of with dynamic range you know where there was some really um you know parts that just weren't distorted and parts that were and all this sort of thing so i don't know look i'll stop before i say things i don't actually mean <laughs> i'm not mad i'm just disappointed actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> um tell me tell me why you like it so much because like i want to understand that so i'm curious is that you don't appreciate like like one note guitarists because those are cl as close as you come to like drone type music in rock and roll. I never um, promise to be consistent. <laughs> that is extremely unhelpful. They, uh, so um, Queens of the Stone Age, I'm a big fan of Queens of the Stone Age. They probably have my two favorite guitar solos, but they're not on this album, ironically. Um, hmm. But I, um, I love the journey. So this record is. Um, kind of about the drive from Los Angeles to Joshua Tree. Oh, and I did hear, I loved all the little radio um, station interludes. Yeah. So I was I was going to mention that, that in between songs or at the end of songs, they have these tuning 
to different radio stations and they're all kind of satire parodies of their songs and kind of satire about radio stations. It's like clone radio, you know, every same song every time or something like that. Yeah. And like, as you get from like LA where like the, like the pop radio guys like, Hey, it's Kip Casper here. You know, you need a new song. And then you get like into the desert where it's like weird, like Hispanic, like preachers and it's like nonsense on yeah. the radio. So you go farther okay. and farther too. Um, That's cool. I, yeah, I guess I can't quite quantify it. I have just loved this album for the longest time. And uh, I, like, honestly, I think it's the drumming in particular with songs that are like um, songs for the deaf where you have uh, Dave Grohl, like taking pieces of like black flag songs from the eighties. And then like the breakdown at the end, um, especially because they recorded this like in studio together, like, you know, like an old Beatles record. So it's kind of got that live feeling to it to me. Um, mm. This the main three does. And so it's got this really organic kind of like rock and roll movement to it. Um, and I think it's so um, like later half Queens of the Stone Age is a little more poppy and dancey. Mm. And the band that Josh Homme used to be in with the bass player, it's a band called Caius. And they kind of make... I guess you'd call it drone rock. They call it stoner rock. It's like severely distorted, kind of like thudding melodic, sorry, thudding non-melodic stuff. Mm. And this is kind of the bridge between the two of those worlds. And I think it, it meets them perfectly. Mm. I think. Um, yeah. I don't know. I do, I do get lost a little bit in the back end sometimes with some of those later songs. Mm. Um, it can still be one of, it can still be your favorite. Don't let my thoughts change <laughs> your mind. You can still say, I love the whole album. That's fine. I, I mean, I've actually grown to enjoy one of their later albums more. Um, I think that has more um, exploration on it musically. Hmm. Um, but this one, I think for the time, for like a 2002, whenever this album came out, it's like really different. Hmm. And that's the reason why you'd have heard like no one knows on the radio, like, like crazy Stone Age aren't like a top 20 band, but like this album kind of like cracked into the world a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No one knows was on rage like a lot. So yeah. Uh, for those of those who don't know what is rage, Asher? Oh man, you got to know what rage, rage is. I know, I know what rage is. <laughs> I know. The rage is like the MTV of Australia, but it was, I suppose it was less commercial. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but that they yeah that video clip I remember very distinctly um, watching it quite a lot <laughs> with the, the dead deer, yeah, Josh on me in the face. Yeah, it was it was a bit trippy, but um, <laughs> I distinctly remember learning to play bass around year ten and trying to learn that yeah, etc. So yeah. anyway, look, I I like all things that I say. I, I say this often. I'll keep listening to it and it will probably grow <laughs> on me. And like, yeah. No, to, to be honest, I think you'd probably find some of the weirder albums more interesting. Um, but I thought this would be a good place to start. No, it's a good place to start. I think it does give me an idea of what they're like. And I do love David Grohl's drumming. So you, oh, you so chose good. a good one. Yeah, he's he's great. And um, yeah, I, I should just mention here, um, for those who have not, seen much of david Grohl, you should check out his latest drum battle between <laughs> him and a little 10 year old girl in the uk it's i think she's 10 i don't know how old she is it's she's very young. it's very sweet um 
because she's a little drummer and she challenges. Um, but she, I don't know if she challenges many people, but she was like, David Grohl, I love your music. I'm going to challenge you to drum off. And so they're doing a drum off at the moment. So anyway, you should check that out. That's pretty funny. So you have like Dave Grohl at home and he's like a lovely, you know, pussycat loves everybody. Yeah. You have like Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. We're like, he's got a bit of rock and roll to him, but he's still having a great time. And then you have like Dave Grohl, the drummer, who is just an absolute monster <laughs> an on animal. like the Pickard Vultures and Queens of the Stone Age. He's like going hard and like you know just insane and like a totally different people in my head i don't know and then you have david Grohl and the muppets <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's classic yeah. that him him versus um animals an homage to um animal playing against buddy rich back yes. in the day yeah i have seen it's that clip that's classic. great no anyway, anyway. <laughs> Queens of the thanks for that man sorry i didn't like it as much as you hoped no no just, just you wait, Ashton. I know. I know it's coming up. Don't worry. So that leads into Josh's homework. I gave Josh something which I knew he would find a little bit testing, but I did <laughs> I did think there would be some gold, so maybe there might be at least half a song he likes in this. We'll see. Um, this is an album called Love This Giant, and it's a collaboration between um, David Byrne and St. Vincent, or Annie Clark, as she is, her actual name is. Um, now, the, the legend goes that David Byrne will con- collaborate with anyone for $5 and a bag of Doritos. Um, but I think that he is actually an artist with integrity, and he does like to collaborate with people who he thinks he will gel with. And so this is a very interesting art rock album, <laughs> which um, I wanted to show Josh just because we've talked about David Byrne quite a bit. And here we go. Go for it. All right. Uh, I don't know much about St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know a fair bit about David Byrne. And I'm not a huge Talking Heads fan. Um, I don't, I do enjoy. Um, uh, same as it ever was. What's that song called? Once uh, in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. I like that. Like that's good. That's probably as poppy as David Byrne ever got. Except maybe burning down the house. Yeah. But I, uh, I'm still on a. I'm not a huge fan of him. I, I don't. I, I don't mind that he exists. He can, <laughs> he, he can, he can do what he wants. You know, it's he's very generous artist. of you. <laughs> I, I feel like if this album was a person. It would snub me at a party. That's what I feel like. <laughs> you mean it, it's it'd too... be way too way too cool for school. <laughs> too arty. Um yeah, much more obsessed with being an art statement rather than an actual musical album. Uh... Um, <laughs> so uh, like like even the fact that it falls under like the art pop art fusion genre is because it's like such a mishmash of so many different things. Um and I don't I don't know why David Byrd and Sam Vincent get credit for this album because it's clearly a brass album that they're featured on rather than the other way around. Somebody had to write the songs though. This this is like nothing but like six Barry saxophones and a trombone and like them singing on top of it. Did you watch the live clip on Letterman? <laughs> I, I I watched a little bit of it. Um, yeah. That that's probably my least favorite song on the album. Is what the song he's playing? So I didn't really. <laughs> it's my most favorite keep song. Watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, okay, sorry. Yeah, I should let I, you get into the review. 
No, it's I, I try, I'm trying to be nice. This album for me like veers from like kind of okay to like irredeemable. <laughs> um, especially those like really like hyperactive moments where like everything is just like loud and going and David Burns doing his like weird minor third harmonies over top of it and like a bazillion horns are just like screeching and the song is just like just like going for it and I like that's like not enjoyable um but they have some songs where like things are a little more sedated a little more lower mostly sung by St. Vincent which uh, I guess I should enjoy um uh, what's it? Uh, Lazarus and Optimist. Mm. Yes, um, those I actually beautiful. kind of enjoy. Yeah, mm. those are those are mostly listenable, as opposed to like a lot of the other. The oh my goodness! And then the constantly, constantly the um, the microtonal shift to key change vocal thing. It yeah. happens like every two minutes on this album. It happens all the time. It's like four times in the first song. <laughs> yeah. Who, like is, who is quite keys. an interesting uh, piece. Did you like that oh, first song though? Did you like the feel? <laughs> I, I just hated David Burns singing. <laughs> so I should have just given you a St. Vincent album. Maybe. I can I... give you a St. Vincent album. That's fine. <laughs> I'll give you that later. His like weird demented duelist vocals, I just cannot get behind. Fair. Um, like the yeah, <laughs> and also the yeah the constant key changing is such a turn for me. Um, yeah, I uh, there's a lot of very technical brass work on this album. Um, as a former trombone player, I feel for these musicians who've been given this chart, which is probably just like. Sammy Tone jumps constantly on the Barry Sex. The, mm. um, and it's, on it's the Forest Awakes where it's like, da, 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 do, 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 do. like it's all these like yeah. very quick, hard parts. It's very, very difficult to play probably. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's kind of like one of those like, you would think the, the ingredients are there for something good and then it turns out in a way that just doesn't appeal to me. Like I love brass. I love even like brass used as mainstream and rhythm. Mm. But this album just kind of like doesn't quite hit that for me. That's um, fair. I okay. Why don't you tell me what you enjoyed about this album? <laughs> sure. Um, I guess that I enjoyed how bombastic it was. So <laughs> very okay. <laughs> I guess I like I liked David Byrne because I've read his book or most of it and I like that he's very intentional about kind of art as performance as well. Um, yes. And the way he kind of uses his voice is almost a bit musical theatre and the way he performs and acts. And if you've seen the video clip for Who, it's kind of a weird marionette sort of thing going on I kind of dig it because it's a bit odd and he's just a strange he's a strange guy that I find kind of fascinating so I find his work fascinating I find St Vincent a really good musician and she's she like designed her own guitar like she's a very clever guitarist and I should send you a clip of some of her kind of solo stuff and 
and her playing is brilliant. So I appreciated her in her own right. And I was like, okay, the two of these together, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and then the fact that there was brass and it was kind of funky and satirical, like, yeah, you had me. I just, I loved all the kind of lyrical um, biting moments, kind of dinner for two, which is like there's, which I thought was interesting that you said about how like if this album was at a dinner party, it would be too cool. Um, in Dinner for Two, it's about a dinner party where like there's all these really high-flying CEOs and guests there, <laughs> but they're all really weird. Like <laughs> they're all like just falling apart at the seams, like their facades are falling off and they're and these two people are like, how about you and me dinner for two, like later on, like, let's get away from all this craziness. And I just find that mm. kind of interesting. And then I should watch TV is kind of a deconstruction of media, right? And, oh, you yeah. know, I, sorry. I'm like, I, I get the message behind it. I'm you just to don't tackle like it as a, as a song. It's unlistenable. Well, I think that the song reflects what media is like, right? It's just full on and in your face and, and kind of like just getting in you and in a way that you don't want. Um, you know, everybody's got a touched up hairdo. Everybody's in the passing lane and it's like chaotic brass and stuff. So for me, the music and the lyrics go hand in hand. And that's, I kind of like that representation. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I like this album because it's a, it's an art piece as well. And it's not, it kind of goes beyond just the music and yeah, I mean, I didn't give, again, I never give you albums just to (laughs) troll you. I, I thought, this will be interesting because I know you don't like David Byrne in Talking Heads, but I like David Byrne in this more than in Talking Heads sometimes. So, anyway, I would never, I would never decry David Byrne of his intentionality behind his art. This is obviously very intentional. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, the intention is kind of uh, offbeat for me. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I should just say, so David Byrne is, I, I like some of the things he talks about in his book, um, there's just been a few things I've found really interesting, you know, how he talks about um, architecture shapes music and things. And so he's he talks about how like now the architecture is between our ears, right? That's where the, mm-hmm. that's the concert hall of our day is between our ears. And so he writes music for that. And he's just, I, I find that he goes, oh, all right, let's think about the big picture of music. And so I just wanted to hear that in an album and that's, that's good. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop talking about David Byrne and uh, uh, I might <laughs> give you St. Vincent later on. We'll see. Actually, I have a, I have a follow-up question. Hmm. Um, what do you think the giant is that he's talking about in the album? Oh, it's, um, it's media. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because he goes, behold, I love this giant, big soul, big lips. Um, um, and that's the I should watch TV one. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, and the front cover is meant to be the reverse of Beauty and the Beast. So where he's the beauty and she's the beast. And um, I don't quite know the significance <laughs> of that. but She looked like she has a toddler on bar in her face. <laughs> David Byrne looks like a Ken doll. Yes. Yeah. It, I remember the first Curse. time I saw that cover, I was like, oh, oh. So if you're listening Very right now, Google, image. Google, <laughs> Google, love this giant. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, 
Well, we've had an interesting time of homework. <laughs> yeah, Should we about, uh, move on to some honorable, honorable mentions? mentions? Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I have three, which mm-hmm. are all kind of large. Um, I've been listening to uh, Suvlaki a lot. Oh yes, you almost um, did a hard turn. Album, <laughs> I yes, I almost did a hard turn twice. Um, the second album by nineties uh, shoegaze band Slow Dive. Um, this is often hailed now as like a past gem that was kind of overlooked and is one of like the best albums of the shoegaze era. Mm. Um, I would say it's not as tight as their latest album or their self-titled album, I should say, Mm because they're working on another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So exciting. But it has a lot of that charm um, and uh, heart behind it. And there's some wonderful, wonderful songs in this album. Mm, Um, It definitely has the, it has the mood very distinctively set and it carries that throughout the whole piece. And so I've just been kind of putting that on in the background and listening to it constantly this week. What are your favorite tracks off it, by the way? Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to pin down sometimes. Um, maybe Alice is one. Yeah. Um, I love Mellow Yellow, surprisingly. Uh, that's not one that grabbed uh, me. Maybe Machine Gun. I think I like Mellow Yellow because it kind of breaks the the back half when you listen, like listening and the songs kind of, mm. you know, the shoegaze kind of melds together a little bit after a while. Yeah. And this one kind of cuts that tension a little bit. So that's kind of what stands out to me. So um, I, I listened to this album before I went to see them in Vancouver because I realized I only knew their self-titled album. And I also watched a documentary, which I recommend, um, a pitchfork documentary on Suvlaki, uh, which kind of gives you a bit of a behind the scenes of all the different songs. And it's a really interesting watch about how they recorded the album and songs like um, Suvlaki Space Station um, uh, sounded like absolute chaos to record. So, yeah, check that <laughs> out. Mm. I know they were asking Brian Eno to do some stuff for them and he turned them down. Oh, really? Anyway, his loss. His loss. Yeah. What, what what good has he done for us lately? Um, the second album, um, is called El Capitan by a guy called Will Johnson. Um, hmm. uh, this album, I have been listening to it, um, daily for the last month, um, if not more. But unfortunately, have not been able to bump it up to a full review because everything keeps on pushing it farther backwards um anyway this is an album i found on Bandcamp. it is an awesome awesome uh little folk country album uh it's kind of you know it's this the, the solo man solo guitar there's occasionally a little bit of piano here a little bit of cello there but just kind of like that sad folk musician and it's done so well hmm. um and I I was surprised that it came out like this year when I found it. Hmm. Um, it's just a beautiful little folk album. Highly recommends. Nice. Will Johnson. I'll check it out. Um, and then the last one, I may do a full review of this one day, um, is the Save Stereo Gum 2000s cover album. Oh, you mentioned um, this. Yeah. 
So, so Stereo Gum is a music magazine, or was a magazine, now is an online thing. Mm. Um, uh, one of the few music mags that I actually pay attention to, since you know Rolling Stone is garbage and other things like that. And they you just wanted an excuse to say that <laughs> Rolling Stones has always been garbage. Um, it's a political mag, not can't, a music mag. They can't separate. Uh, it. <laughs> it's good. So Stereo Gum. Um, was going under business wise. So they had an Indiegogo project um, to save stereo gum. And as part of that for pledging, you would get a covers album that they put together um, various people playing for them uh, different songs from the two thousands, mm. like their favorite indie two thousand song. So this thing is humongous. It's 55 songs. Oh my goodness. It's three hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> Um, and it is just an absolute mishmash. You know, there's Radiohead, there's Imogen Heap, there's Strokes, there's the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, there's Britney Spears. Wow. There's like a there's a cover of um, Photograph by um, uh, Nickelback. There's the National on here. There's like it's just tons of stuff. And like I've been slowly working my way through it, and like like marking which tracks are like actually kind of good, which ones are kind of garbage. Mm. Um, I don't know if this will ever be on Spotify. I don't think it will, but I've been very uh, pleasantly surprised by um, some covers, one by a band called Titus Andronicus, who are actually like a punk band I want to check out. Mm. And then there's a, uh, a cover by, I'll tell you about uh, a band called Pup, who is a Canadian yeah, punk yeah. band covering another classic kind of, Canadian uh, band who I actually want to give you one day called The Weaker Thans. Um, that's a really good cover. Anyway, this thing is humongous, and I may work my way through it eventually one day, but it is a... Uh, it's big. Yeah, that sounds enormous. It sounds really interesting, though. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, how about your honor mentions, sir? Um, yeah, I've just got, I think, just two. Um, so I was going to review an album, but in the end, I just didn't find it as interesting. I was checking out, um, after Godspeed you Black Emperor, I finally got to have a listen to Ephraim Manuel Manuk's, um, solo project. And he's one of the guitarists in Godspeed you. And so he yeah. sings, um, and he put out his most recent album is called Pissing Stars. And it's not bad, but it just doesn't kind of have the same, I don't know, beauty of Godspeed You. Not that I was looking for a post-rock band, but I was just looking for the same kind of uh, tonal palette. And I feel like he took up a bit of a turn on that. It's a very interesting album. It's, it's droney as well, which is interesting for a solo project. But then there are also songs on it. Some of them are quite interesting. And it, the whole album is really odd and it's centered around... Um, the brief romance between two very kind of very important figures. Um, it's uh, yeah. So Pissing Stars is inspired by the brief romance of American TV presenter, Mary Hart and Muhammad Khashoggi, the son of a Saudi arms dealer. And so mm-hmm. it's a very interesting read him talking about the album and it's very politically loaded and, and quite beautiful. Um, and Interestingly, his vocals sound a lot like Wynn Butler. I don't know if it's that Canadian Montreal sound or <laughs> um, it's just his 
style, but yeah, I just, I enjoyed it. I just didn't, it just didn't grab me as much as Pogo was for these past two weeks. So, um, but that's hard to, nothing can grab you more than Pogo in some ways. (laughs) I know he's, he's a bit of a like kryptonite to my listening. Um, but it was a good album. It, yeah, I just feel like it could have been, um, I would have loved to have heard a bit more of those violins and that sort of thing. But I mean, maybe I should just listen to more Godspeed you anyway. (laughs) Um, my, my last honorable mention is, um, I got to watch the full concert of, um, the fifth anniversary of Undertale. Um, they Mm -hmm. had a, an orchestra in Japan, I think playing, um, not all of the 101 tracks from the soundtrack, but a good portion of them, most of the longer songs, um, and orchestrally, orchestrally arranged. So I'll give you a bit of back. If you don't know, again, there seems to be, it has to be one at least um, game soundtrack review in my honourable mentions each week. <laughs> it's always you too. <clears throat> well, you know, that's me. Um, anyway, Undertale is an indie game from five years ago or seven years ago when the demo first came out. It's like an RPG, kind of took the internet by storm. Um it's a great game. It's a very different game. Oh, well, it, it just was different in terms of its story um, than its predecessors. Um, the music, though, was written by the same person who made the game, Toby Fox. And he composed, yeah, over 100 tracks um, for the game. And some of them are absolutely gorgeous. Others are kind of like just fillers and little things that had to happen in the game. But it warranted an orchestra playing, you know, orchestral arrangements of it. Um, and it was incredible to watch. Some of the songs I did actually prefer a little bit more in the album version. And some I thought really came to life in the orchestral version. Um, the way Toby writes is probably more in the vein of, you know, JRPGs. And so it did lend itself to these big lush strings and you know, all the different brass sounds and that sort of thing. Um, and, and the drum kit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like the drum kit in the orchestra. So some of the songs which were a bit like sands didn't get pulled off very well um, with an orchestra. Like it needs to be a tight, clav, small group playing that song. Mm. Um, and so on the orchestra, it sounded just a bit boomy and didn't really have the tightness of that. However, um, hmm? sorry. Yeah, so some of them were really interesting, though. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Megalovania, but I did enjoy seeing... (laughs) I did enjoy seeing an iwi um, in the orchestra, the electronic wind instruments. So um, I think one of the oboe players pulled out an iwi to do the kind of synth solo. Um, Yeah, so they improvised, and it was quite cool. And right at the end, um, Toby played some songs just on solo piano, but um, it was just an animation of a dog playing a piano, so you didn't get to see him, of course. <laughs> um, but this, I may have caved in and pre-ordered the five <laughs> vinyl set of this album because it is one of my favourite soundtracks uh, from any game. And if you do get to listen to it, um, it's, I, I mean, how, where to start? There's 101 tracks. I don't know. It's a beautiful soundtrack. Listen to it if you like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness. What, what were you going to say? Sorry. 
no, no, no. I can't, I can't judge. Um, That's fine. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting voice. mishmash soundtrack too, because some of the songs are definitely chip tune and then others are kind of, you know, supposed to be a bit more orchestral. There's like programmed electric guitar and, and drums and that sort of thing. I think it's all done in fruity loops. So it's not really like high tech, but it's, it's well written. And Toby's a very good pianist and he uh, has some great melodies and stuff. So he's a good composer. Yeah. Anyway. Also a surprising amount of, uh, of samba on the album. Right. Yeah. He does channel um, some different uh, kind of genres there. Especially uh, Bone Trousel, I think is the name of the song. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, they're brilliant songs. The melodies. Yeah, man. Anyway, I could go on and on about Toby Fox, um, but I will leave it there for the moment. Um, <laughs> that's kind of all me. Thanks so much for listening to our first teenage episode of what we're listening <laughs> to. Number 13. Um, we're getting so, edgy. Yeah. <laughs> Time to start wearing uh, sunglasses. Um, so thanks so much for listening and check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us some uh, some love there if you enjoyed some things. Uh, give us a rating on uh, podcasts uh, and yeah, share us around with your friends. I hope that you're having a great uh, month so far and we'll see you next time. Bye. See you, Josh. See you.